everyone, welcome to DNA. Today, our special guest is Spencer Greenberg. He is a founder at Sparkwave and clearthinking.org. We have so much to talk about your startup today, Spencer. Thank welcome. you for having me. Entrepreneurship is always a mystery to me, and I admire entrepreneurs so much because they are the ones who are brave enough to pursue their dreams mm -hmm. and uh, really build something they are really believe in and they are not afraid to get the answer no so Spencer today I'm really looking forward to hear your story and hear more about what it's like to be an entrepreneur thank you let's start off with uh, why you wanted to build your own company and uh, what are they about well for me I'm inspired to do entrepreneurship because I think there are a lot of problems in the world that we can try to solve through starting companies. So the way that we think about that is we look for problems in the world that we think software could really help with because software is our expertise, mm -hmm. and then we try to build that software. So for example, uh, my company Sparkwave, um, we're, we're literally looking out at different problems and trying to design software solutions, and one of the solutions that we're looking at is depression. So we actually built a completely automated piece of software for people suffering from depression that you'll be able to download and uh, we'll, it will try to help you uh, we just ran a study on it, and we found that uh, the, for the first 80 people that completed the program, they reduced their depression by about 50%. Wow, that's so interesting. And, Thank you. And uh, I never thought a software could uh, help depression. How do you guys do that? So it's based on this theory called cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. as, as I mentioned, it's the most evidence-based treatment for depression and anxiety. The cognitive part is about the way you think about the world. And so when people are depressed, they have a certain way of thinking that can be harmful. Um, so for example, a lot of times a depressed person will think, um, you know, I'm not a good person, or I'm a loser, or people don't like me. And that affects the way they feel. Like that makes them, those thoughts actually make them feel bad, right? Mm -hmm. But then when they're feeling bad, they don't want to do things. So they might stay at home because they're feeling bad. And then they're sitting at home all night just watching TV. And they feel even worse. <laughs> and then they have another thought like, oh, I really am a loser. I just sat and watched four hours of television. That makes them feel even worse. So it creates a spiral. Mm. So the cognitive part of cognitive behavioral therapy is about helping people learn to challenge their thinking to have more productive thoughts. So if the person has a thought, I'm a loser, teach them to notice that they just had that thought and say, wait, I'm not actually a loser. Like there's a lot of good things going on in my life. And what does that really mean to be a loser anyway? It's a silly thing you, you call people in you know, high school. Mm -hmm. So uh, then, instead of feeling bad, they actually feel okay. So then they don't sit there and watch TV for four hours. Instead, they go out with their friends and they feel better. So that's an example. And there's also another part of cognitive behavioral therapy is the, is the behavioral part. And so this is about getting people to engage in more, more positive and, and effective behaviors. Um, so, uh, for example, depressed people often will predict that they won't enjoy activities. Because they're feeling bad, when they think about doing the activity, they think, oh, I'm not going to enjoy it, or I'm going to be a downer to be around. Mm. So, teach, uh, teaching them that actually they will tend to enjoy behaviors more than they think, so they should still do them anyway. So, getting them to go out and do pleasurable things that they've stopped doing. So, tell me why you thought of starting your own company rather than joining some other companies with such a mission. First of all, I don't know if there are other companies out there with a similar mission. Well, for me, I, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I think that one of the things that really draws me to it is that um, I'm really excited about trying to have the biggest impact in the world that I can. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can work at a company and you can have a lot of impact potentially, but I think the, the greatest 
potential for impact comes usually from starting something yourself. But that's the hardest part, starting your own company, right? <laughs> it's, it's really it hard. Well, in yeah. my impression, tell me how you start off. Yeah, it is, it is very hard and, and um, you have to expect that you're going to fail many times and you have to learn from each of those failures and get better. Um, you know, we're working on 11 products, but a bunch of those products will never be released because mm -hmm. we're going to encounter issues, either the technological issues or the problems with them, they're not the right market. Um, but I think uh, you know, when you're starting off, it really is about the idea initially, what are you going to work on? There's this challenge that it's relatively easy to copy another business, but then you're not really adding new value, you're just, mm -hmm. you're just doing something someone else is doing. Try to get some money out of the market. <laughs> right, exactly. I, the way I think about it is you, not to start, stop at your first idea you come up with, mm -hmm. but really try to generate a bunch of ideas so you can compare them to each other I and see. try to eliminate them. That's what your company do. That's what we do, yeah. How big is your team? So about 25 people. So the way our company works is divided up in teams. Mm -hmm. So each of the 11 products has a, a little team around it, mm -hmm. usually a small team. Uh, and then we have some other people who work at the company who work on a bunch of the products. Like our designer works on many different products. So you guys have a lot of programmers as well to help with a lot of initial ideas. Exactly. So mainly we have programmers and we also have uh, researchers who and, uh, and writers. So. Do you go out to seek for fundings or are you trying to build that ideas right now with your own fund? Well, ultimately we will be very likely raising funding, but I'm trying to delay it a little longer. Um, and then when we spin out new companies, mm -hmm. um, we'll be raising funding around those. So we'll be looking for angel investors. So you have the new idea. You've recruited right. the people to right. help you build that idea. And it sounds like you don't seek for funding right away. Yeah, well, you, you can. I mean, some people do. Um, so it really depends. Like people go to Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think very often the, be you know, the best way to do things is if for people who work with a co-founder, mm -hmm. so it's them and their co-founder, they have complementary skills. So mm -hmm. you know, let's say one of them is you know, a programmer and the other one is a business person or a marketing person. As a pair, you start working on building, you know, working on ideas, generate a whole bunch of ideas, try to eliminate them, try to really figure out the best ones, and then also to polish them. So talk, you know, some people are really secretive when they come up with an idea, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, you don't want to broadcast to the world, yeah. but you need to go talk to smart people and people with experience in that industry to try to get help, get, get their help refining the idea and, make, and you can make it much better. How do you balance between sharing the ideas, getting the experts' opinion versus protecting your ideas because what could happen is that if you tell people hey yeah. I have this excellent idea and somebody might steal it that's a great question uh, it's very important so I think the way to think about it is that if you do not have a product to sell yet never go on stage and tell everyone about your product never go on a radio show and tell everyone about your product mm -hmm. don't broadcast it widely however you should go talk to individuals who are either very smart and willing to give you help and mm -hmm. feedback or who have relevant expertise in that area. Now, you'd be surprised, you, you know, people worry, oh, someone's gonna steal my idea. You couldn't convince them to steal your idea if you wanted to. I mean, everyone has- Because the, the idea has to be good enough for other people also want to invest in. Well, I mean, if you think about it, everyone has their own thing going on. Everyone thinks their ideas are good. If you come up with some random idea, that, you know, the chance that someone steals it is incredibly low. That being said, you know, if your idea is, a, is an idea that Google could implement much more easily than you, don't go tell a bunch of Google employees. That doesn't make sense. So tell me about your day-to-day. -day. What is an yeah. entrepreneur's day like? 
Well, so I think like many entrepreneurs, every day can look really different where you know, some days you're working on marketing, some days you're working on the product, some days you're working on recruiting. Mm -hmm. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of, you're the HR department, you're, you're the, the CMO, the CTO, exactly. the CEO, a CFO. Exactly. But for me, the way my company is structured, my days are often spent trying to support the different teams and mm -hmm. say, so I meet with each team every week and I say, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what they need, how I can help them, and also make sure that we're in alignment about what the next most important priority is and, and how to move towards the vision. Because each product is based on a, a vision of what we want to add to the world, what kind of value we want to add, and just making sure that it's heading in that direction. What is required to uh, be successful when you start mm -hmm. up your company? Yes, so I think one thing that's extremely important is that if you look at a lot of successful companies, at some point they look like they were going to fail. But as an entrepreneur, you have to be the sort of person who's willing to continue fighting even when things look like they're going to fail. Continue going, not give up, and then you're going to encounter problem after problem after problem, many of which you're not going to have to solve them at first, and you have to come up with creative solutions to try to get around them over and over again. And if you can't do that, then you're going to fail. I think it's very important that an entrepreneur be able to quickly admit that they were wrong and change their mind mm -hmm. um, and pay very close attention to data and feedback. Be the rational thinker. Exactly. <laughs> Move very fast. It comes back to decision making and how we have, you know, it, feel, it doesn't feel good to find out we're wrong, mm -hmm. but it feels much worse to spend years doing something that's a bad idea. <laughs> um, well, being charismatic certainly helps um, because you have being to... Being the team. Leading team, you have to persuade investors to invest with you. You have to persuade uh, um, um, employees to join your team instead of going and working somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, you have to inspire the people so that they feel excited. Mm -hmm. You have to convince partners to partner with you. Uh, you have to convince customers to buy. Do you think it requires dedication to be successful, or can you work part time on your new ideas while still keeping your cash flow? Yeah. That's a good question. I think that initially, the very beginning, when you're just exploring ideas, it's okay to work part time while you're figuring out what you really want to do, and mm -hmm. you can talk to people and get feedback and figure out the flaws of your idea. Mm -hmm. Talk to potential customers. You maybe even start building a simple prototype or something like that. But when once you're you are convinced that like you're you've got an idea that's at least in the ballpark of the thing you really want to work on, you're going to be reducing your chance of success a lot if you do it part time. Okay, I have some props for you. Perfect. So you are going to use those emojis to react right. to the statement. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> I love how you just hug off the. <laughs> All right. Cool. Changing the word or disrupt have become very cliche words. Um, because every single one just claim their startup will change the word, and now I think it's also AI. Every startup mentioned mm. my technology is AI based. It's, it's, fu so it's funny you mention that because I have a, my PhD in math and I specialize in machine learning and AI. So it's a, that's a topic Oops. that I think about a lot. No, 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 but, no, but you're absolutely right. So many startups say they're doing AI and there's a lot of hype around it, absolutely. So I'm gonna give that, I'm gonna give that a both of these. Because it's very valuable and, and, and very overhyped. Okay. Great. It depends on which company it is. Yeah. Although it's hard to become a millionaire, most entrepreneurs can use VC fund to support their adventure. They don't have personal financial risks. Hmm. Well, I think How that... How do you feel about that? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to go about this. <laughs> I, 
I mean, I think, well, okay, so first of all, venture capital, VC, they fund a very small percentage of all startups. Very, very small. Um, second of all, they usually only come in a little bit later because they want to write, you know, million, multi-million dollar checks. So for some really small companies, they don't really usually have that as an option. Mm -hmm. So in reality, it's usually initially, you know, friends and family or early stage angel investors who are the ones that are initially funding people. Um, and I think even when that, even when they do get funding, they often, you know, these entrepreneurs do take on a lot of risk because first of all, instead of working at a job where they're getting paid, a lot of times they're starting with no pay at all, and so and they're risking failure, which doesn't mean it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, it, but you no know, one likes failure. But it's, it, it sucks to spend you know a year or two or three working on something that you care about so passionately and fail. So. Entrepreneurship is living a few years of your life like most people want, so that you can spend the rest of your life like most of people can't. <laughs> um, Hmm. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure any of these emojis really fit my feelings about that. <laughs> um, I I don't think that the I don't think that that's the best reason to be an entrepreneur. You know, I think you know one view is well, I'm gonna just work. I'm gonna work like crazy for the next three years to start this company, and then I'm gonna sell it for millions of dollars, and then I'm never gonna have to work again. Um, it's not your number one goal. Well, I think you know, occasion that sometimes happens, but there's a lot of risk, and I think. When you're doing that kind of thing, it makes more sense to do it because you really care about something. Because mm -hmm. you really want this thing to exist. You really want to create this change in the world. I think it's a better motivation. I read before, entrepreneur is like a box of chocolate. Like, you <laughs> never know what you will get. But do try if you have a dream and don't be afraid to fail. It's always better to try rather than regretting the future. It never happens. Well, thank you again, Spencer. Good luck with your startups. I'm really looking forward for Uplift's official release. Let's say this together. What it's like to be an entrepreneur. DNA, get! get.